Alrighty, welcome to another installment of Let's Discuss, two guys from rural Iowa bringing you discussions on everything from animated video games. Today's topic, we're covering Zoids, the New Century Zero series. This is the, actually the third uh, installment in the Zoids franchise and everything. It's kind of a standalone from its predecessors. So what exactly is Zoids? Zoids are essentially these giant mechanized creatures ranging from dinosaurs to mammals to fish, essentially. They're these giant mechas, and in this series, it's kind of different. In previous series, they've done... Usually somebody's at war, and they're pretty much used as tools for destruction and things along that line, but in this uh, series, it, they're essentially used to fight each other for prize money, fame, glory, you know, the whole shebang and everything. So the series as a whole is pretty linear. You just kind of go from one episode to the next. Usually it's got a you know, plot and then a big Zoid fight in the end and so on and so forth. So that's essentially the main gist of the series. Now we're going to go talking about our main characters, the Blitz team. We'll basically start off with our big shot of the series, BitCloud, who pilots the Liger Zero, which is essentially the iconic Zoid for this entire series here. The Liger Zero itself has four different forms. There's the basic Zero unit, which is just the white armor, very plain, very straight, and it only has its one attract, the traditional Strike Laser Claw, which is very, how do you say, what's the word I'm looking for? Not traditional. Andy, what's the word I'm looking for? Signature. That's the uh. word I'm looking for. And then it has different CAS units or... Let's see, how, how was it put exactly? It is... The changing a, armor system. Changing armor system, that was it. It's like I knew it was CAS because they say it every time it comes into the hover cargo and it swaps out different armor units. That is great there. And it gives us points for so many great fights. Okay, so we covered the zero armor. And then next up, the ne first one that is actually revealed is the Jaeger. Uh, CAS unit, which is a blue armor. It doesn't really add too much for offensive power. It still runs with essentially the basic strike laser claw attack, but the thing that it really stands out about it is its exceptional speed. It ha it's essentially very aerodynamically designed, and it has these two huge thrusters which give it an amazingly amplified uh, speed and everything. And then its neck, its second form. Uh, before you go on, Keeney, yes. they add, it actually does add one bit of offense, offense to uh, the the Liger, because when he does his boost, mm. his uh, high boost like uh, run, it actually creates a vortex behind him that knack, that will actually knock other Zoids out of the way. Sure, you got your sonic boom and everything that it just kind of throws in there. It's like, oh, oops. <laughs> I say, it, it, the, if I remember right, he used it against the Saberfang team, and it was pretty effective. I mean, it knocked, I think, two of the Zoids, just sent them flying. So. Um, I don't remember if he ever actually used the Jaeger. Well, I think he used the Jaeger against the Saberfangs when we got introduced to the next unit, the Schneider unit. But I don't think I don't remember it being all that effective because that was the episode when they had the uh, 
uh, big swirling vortexes and everything, and all it did was kind of just throw it around. Um, maybe well, I remember him passing by to the members and knocking their zoids over. Like mm-hmm. one, I think if I remember, right, one actually shut down. Yeah, I think what the episode you're thinking of is when it was actually introduced when they first hired, um, when Harry Champ hired the mercenary Jack Sisko. And then he had the lightning sykes and everything, so there was the need for the Jaeger. And then it probably knocked the two cannon tortoises that. Uh, oh, that could be. That might be it. I'm not 100% on that right there. But. On to the next one, the Zero Schneider unit. That one's got kind of a reddish-orange uh, armor system to it with blue blades, which are fantastic. There are seven blades overall on the Zero Schneider, and I'm assuming it could probably still do the Strike Laser Claw if it needed to, but this one comes equipped with its own uh, attack, which is in the, anim- the English dub of the anime is called the Buster Slash, or in the original version, it's called the Five Blade Storm. The episode that this is revealed in, um, we go with the Zaber Fang team again, which are, like, this is the first time we've seen them since the first episode. And this is the introduction to the Schneider unit. And they create these massive vortexes that, like, the Zaber Fangs are caught up in the middle of, and you can't get at them because of the intensity of the winds. So they bring out the Zero Schneider, and then it just goes all Buster Slash and everything because there are these five blades that surround essentially the head and the cockpit area of the Liger Zero, and that's its Buster Slash. They glow, and then he just boosts straight dash right through them and usually takes them out. So that's essentially the effectiveness of that. And the, other two blades that the Schneider has are basically on its back. They basically straighten out and then come out on the sides. So you kind of do like a run-by hack-and-slash kind of thing when taking them on. And the last CS armament, uh, which really tends to be everyone's favorite, because this one is a big freaking tank. It is an like an army green armament. It is like the ultimate Zoid, potentially, in terms of offense and defense. Basically, the Liger is stripped down and outfitted with a crap ton of missiles. Pretty much everywhere that you can attach armaments to this Zoid, there is a big old pack of missiles of some sort. And it also comes with two huge cannons that sit on its back. Now, the big issue here with the Panzer unit is that it is very effective offensively and defensively, but it is so ridiculously heavy due to the heavy amount of ammo and so on and so forth. So essentially, every time Bit uses it on his Liger, it overheats and shuts down. Which is a bit of a problem, because I think at one point it gets up to almost 200 degrees, not 200 degrees, over like 160 degrees in the cockpit, just because the Zoid itself is overheating. Oh, that That's just a great piece of work right there, but so many flaws to go with it. And it's basic attacks. You got the hybrid cannons. Those basically ha- just are blasted with so much force, it ends up shooting the Zero Panzer back 
essentially. It just slides right on back with the firing of a blast. And then, if I remember right, the other attack that it uses was called, like, the Big Bang Barrage. I believe... Burning Big Bang is the attack, what the attack is called. And that's basically, in the cockpit, all of these screens pop up, and every single missile that the Zero Panzer has locks on and just blows the crap out of everything. The only really sad part about this unit is that it's only used twice in the entire anime. But we'll cover that later. Andy, you got any other thoughts on any of the CAS units of the Liger Zero? Mm, the Panzer, actually, when used, it's the firing of the different weapons that put the recoil, puts stress on the joints of Liger. And that's where a lot of the heat buildup is. It's not the weight of it, it doesn't allow Liger to move, but it's the weight that stresses his joints. And with the recoil, which is very severe, it puts way too much stress on his joints. And after he uses all the, all of his missiles and weaponry, he can, he'll actually jettison the whole armor unit. Unlike any of the other armor units, he will literally jettison it right there and then and take off, so he can still continue the fight. It's kind of like the emergency cool-down system. Yeah, it pops the armor right off. Temperature in the cockpit and stress off the joints is almost instantly dropped, or at least is reduced significantly. And it's safe to assume that they just swing by where the armor was jettisoned off, like, after the battle and everything picks them up, because, I mean, it's used more than once, so figure they'd have to pick it up at one point or another. Well, yeah, of course, they'd have to, because, I mean, they spend quite a bit of money on it. And also, uh, Bit is, uh, used to be a junk dealer, and that was his favorite thing to do, was to run around battlefields and pick up uh, parts that had fallen off of Zoids in battle. So. Yeah, and we'll cover more about that when we get to the actual vague-ish overview of the total story. But our next main character that we're going to talk about is Lena. She is the daughter of the owner of the Blitz team. Uh, and she is a total gun-happy, like, psycho in a sense. Like, she's that really hot-headed girl that you would kind of see in a lot of animes. Like, she's very easily set off. And you put anything with a significant amount of ammunition in her hands, she's going to blow something right the hell up. Because, let's see, she starts off with a D-bison, which is essentially a giant bull with a huge, like, multi-barrel cannon strapped to its back and everything. So that's obviously going to be used for a large sum of ammunition usage. And it doesn't really get any better, because about part of the way through the series, she ends up trading that in and buys herself a gun sniper, which is a little more of a raptor-esque based uh, design of Zoid. And she decks this sucker out, like, ridiculously. It's kind of like if the Panzer was on a gun sniper, essentially, because that thing's got missile pods and, like, this weasel unit total assault bit that like is customized and 
she has attached to it. So, yeah, whenever she goes into battle, it's a crap ton of bullets and missiles and, oh, my. It's just explosions everywhere. Yeah, she's, she actually gets knocked in the series for the gun sniper because, as the name implies, the Zoid is meant to be a sniper. Uh, we'll see that with Naomi, a later character that we'll introduce, who uses uh, such a Zoid. Mm-hmm. And Lena's use of the Zoid is totally contradictory to what the Zoid is actually meant for, but definitely an improvement to the D Bison. Yeah, that sucker's got a lot more maneuverability and stuff than the D Bison. It's a bit smaller and a little bit more compact than a giant bull running around. And then we also have Brad. He starts off with your basic command wolf and stuff. Nothing really too special about it. Uh, but a little bit into the series, he gets this giant double barrel cannon for the back of it, and then he makes, you know, basic adjustments so that he doesn't lose mobility and stuff. Brad is kind of, he's very laid back. He's that guy who, he doesn't do stuff because he, uh, I don't know, he's not a very charitable guy. He doesn't really do much unless there's, like, money involved. Really, because like when we get to the backdraft group and their unsanctioned battles, like he'll be thinking about how okay, there's no prize money really for me to win here, so there's really no point in me fighting. So he's kind of that guy. He's yeah, he's yeah, he's that guy. And then towards closer to the end of the series, he ends up with the Shadow Fox, which is similar to his Command Wolf. It's equipped with, like, a big Vulcan machine gun on the back. It's got quite a bit better maneuverability than his Command Wolf really did. And the tactic that he likes to employ a lot with that that came installed in the Shadow Fox was the smokescreen, which Brad uses very effectively in most of his battles when he uses the Shadow Fox. Yeah, we'll see. Brad will get the Shadow Fox, actually, from betraying... um the Blitz team, he actually goes to, um... The Backdraft group? Yeah, to the Backdraft group to uh, get this Zoid, and when he gets the Zoid, he actually engages battle with uh, Bit, and then turns around (laughs) and betrays the Backdraft group because it was his plan all along just to get that Zoid and to get out, so... Yeah, he puts on a pretty good show through most of that. Like, you think, okay, you know, Brad could probably be that guy because, like, they would promise him large amounts of money and so on. It's like, oh, you're going to make way more money working for the backdraft than you ever did, like, working for the Blitz team. So it's kind of like, okay, yeah. And then at the end, you know, they put up a good fight, and then he just pretty much takes the Zoid and runs off. The backdraft group was pissed. And then we also have Jamie. Jamie's kind of the tech guy, essentially, for the Blitz team. He goes into battle once in a while, but he doesn't do too much, really. He runs flying zoids, essentially. He starts off with his Terrace, which is it's a little bulky, I guess. It's got big blue wings and stuff. Well, at least his does. It chain varies from pilot to pilot. But Jamie has kind of some issues with flying like he's not 
an exceptional Zoid pilot by any means. He's very amateurish. Like they only use him in a couple fights because they can't put three together or they actually need somebody to be a flying unit in which most cases the backdraft group comes and screws that up. So he's pretty much useless anyways. And part of the way through the series, we kind of figure out why Jamie's so timid and everything like that. Because when he was growing up, his dad uh, was piloting a Reynos Zoid, which is kind of like a pterodactyl-type Zoid and stuff. It's a lot more maneuverability, and it exceeds the speed of sound, which is one of the things that makes it very, very powerful. And his dad got in an accident, so Jamie's been, like, mortified and fears it, like, nonstop. But about that time we learn this in the series, um, Dr. Toros actually decides to pawn off Jamie's Terrace and then uh, substitutes it with a Reynos, like what his father used to fly. The dumb part here is that Jamie's so, Jamie's so mortified and terrified because of his father's accident, but his father is still alive and well. Like, it's kind of, I don't know, maybe it's just because I've never experienced something like this, and it seems a little odd to me, but like I could see it, your dad dying in an accident with a certain type of Zoid would make you fear it, really. But not if your dad survives, really. And I, he's fully functional. You see him in the series or whatever. He meets up with Dr. Toros at one point, And, you know, they, they just kind of get together, shoot the breeze a little bit, and, you know, voila. But a thing that kind of will make Jamie a little unique later in the series, he's piloting the Reynos in a battle. Doc, Dr. Toros decides to just throw him in a fight. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, Jamie, we could really use you in this fight in your Reynos. And Jamie's like, I don't want to do this. So they launch him into battle, and he actually starts spiraling out of control. Now, here's the part where Jamie kind of starts to be a little badass. It's not really Jamie. He just kind of passes out and obtains this other personality called the Wild Eagle, which was, I believe, his father's uh, nickname when he was flying out and about with the Reynos. And it's just very confident, almost arrogant personality takes him over and he just dominates with this personality and everything. But like as soon as the Zoid battle's over, boom, snaps right out of it and doesn't really have much recollection of what happened. Anything else about that I need to go over? Um nah. You've covered pretty much everything on uh Jer- Jamie, uh, he's the best way to describe him is whiny because every time he's told the battle, he just complains all the time. Um, he really doesn't make that great of an effect on the team, other than one battle with um, the backdraft group and their like, bat zoids or whatever they're called. Mm-hmm. And in that case, he does. He uses the supersonic blast, like the supersonic blast from his Zoid to knock down all these um, bats that are flying. I think they're bombing, doing bombing runs on the carrier. Yeah, that was essentially what those bat-esque Zoids were used for, were like full swarm and just constant onslaught. I don't think they're very powerful by any means. They were just meant to be mass-produced in like numbers, because they're actually fairly small. Yeah. Because they actually literally fall off of the, um, what is it, the whale? 
Yeah, the Whale King. The the bath drafts usually bring... Whale Kings are these giant, humongous carrier... Well, I think they're essentially a Zoid in themselves, but they just are essentially used for carriers, like not much for weapons ever. And yeah, they just can carry hundreds and hundreds of Zoids really at a time. So that's very beneficial for an organization like the Backdraft Group. Yeah, they're one of the most expensive carriers you can get a hold of. Mm-hmm. We'll see with uh, the Blitz team. They actually have uh, what a, amounts to a snail for their carrier. Yeah, we call that bad boy the hover cargo. And uh, we'll just segue into the talking about Dr. Toros with that. Like... He's actually a very brilliant person. His really biggest downfall is that he's like, I don't know, you put something shiny and new in front of him and he's instantly like, oh my gosh, I have to buy this. I don't care if I have the money or not. I want it. It's cool. So a lot of the time in the series, the team's ragging on him for blowing money on crap they don't need. Like essentially when he bought the Liger Zero, Nobody could pilot it for reasons we'll get into in a little while. And all it did was just sit around collecting dust. Like it, most people thought it was just a completely worthless piece of junk. But his hover cargo, he designed that bad boy. And that sucker has basically a catapult on it, which it launches Zoids into battle and like a drop door on the side that usually you see primarily used to drop the Panzer in battle because that sucker can't walk like at all. So, well, that's the that's actually the loading dock, because otherwise the Zoids can't get back in from the yeah. launch. Because the launcher is only meant to launch them out. They have to walk back into the hover car. Yeah. And then, cover cargo, it's got, you know, some basic, well, what's the word I'm looking for? Gun systems on it and stuff. You know, nothing that, really spectacular there. Yeah, that have to be manually fired. They're not auto turrets. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see Jamie and uh, Lena actually take over the controls and fire it. I think Bit fires uh, one of the cannons at he one point. He might have at one point in there, but yeah, the one that with Jamie and uh, Lena taking over. It's kind of like if you want a good mental picture, it's kind of like the scene in Star Wars where Luke and Han are shooting the TIE fighters out in space. It's kind of a lot like that, <laughs> essentially. But the hover cargo's like biggest, like badass feature essentially is this giant shield that it has. It can form this giant energy shield that can withstand the full blast from a charged particle cannon, which we are led to believe while watching about any Zoid series with one in it is that it's the most powerful type of offense that you could have. Like, it's just seen taking out satellites and completely disintegrating, like, anything that walks in front of it. But later on in the series, it is actually one of the Zoids that uses it. It uses it to destroy a satellite out in space, which eventually comes crashing down to Earth and is a bit of a problem there. But... The satellite actually is a judge satellite, which is a big portion of the Zoid battles in this series. And Andy wanted to talk about the judges, so I will turn it over to him and let him have his way with them. Um, in this show, uh, actually everything is like the whole 
there's the competition is led by uh, a Zoe Battle Commission is what it's called. And in these challenges, um, they're officiated by judges that are dropped from this satellite. And they'll cordon off a certain area for the Zoid battle to happen in. If you are to leave bounds, you are disqualified. If anything enters the battlefield that isn't part of the Zoid battle, uh, the battle is immediately canceled. So they just basically officiate the battles and make sure that nobody's cheating. We'll see a couple different versions of the judges. The first set, the first judge is the white judge, who is the normal judge that we'll see throughout the competition. Then there, and we'll see a black judge. The black judge is a warped version of the white judge that is put in place by the backdraft group. Uh, it'll drop, we'll see it drop in and knock over the white judge or replace the white judge. And they basically will not, they'll give all the, they're just there to make sure that the backdraft team wins, basically. They'll, in the end, basically all they'll do is, when the blitz team wins a fight, they'll say, begrudgingly, that the blitz team has won, um... And then the last one is a pink judge, which is, we only see once, it's for one episode, it's not something that is really interesting, it's basically like a, f a female judge, and it leads to a really blah episode that we'll probably talk about later, but yeah, the best part about the judges is the comedic things that they do, we'll see, like, uh, when something enters the battlefield, and we'll, uh, it's pretty hilarious seeing them uh, trying to adapt to odd things happening. Like, you'll, we'll see the white judge and the black judge fighting each other. That's pretty entertaining. And other than that, though, the judges really don't do much other than that. Yeah, they're pretty much just your basic official and everything, but there isn't really too much to say about them. I guess that they're there every... Zoid battle and so on and so forth. <clears throat> Alrighty. I was going to go with side characters next, but I feel like we need to address our antagonists because we've talked enough about the backdraft group that we need to kind of give an idea about it. Uh, <clears throat> the backdraft group. Basically, they're an organization, you know, they're the whole dark side of professional Zoid battles. Basically, they try to trick people into like battling their warriors and stuff, and then they cheat. They bring in their dark judges, the 86, the good judges, and then they make these next-to-impossible-to-win scenarios. They bring in all these completely decked-out Zoids and everything in which they use pretty much by any means to win. They cheat in so many different ways. And, yeah, they're pretty much the big main antagonists throughout most of the series, which kind of also brings in uh, Stigma Stoller, which is actually w one of the most interesting characters uh, from the Backdraft group. He's this retired Zoid pilot. He's very talented, takes Zoid battles very, very seriously. And in his debut episode, he the Backdraft group wants to try out their new Elephander Zoid, which is like this giant mammoth elephant 
space zoid and this sucker is just huge and very very powerful and they unleash it on against the blitz team and he doesn't really want to fight at first because he's like okay i'm retired so he picks like i don't know probably i guess the guy's probably like his closest accomplice essentially no it's his subordinate his highest ranking is subordinate it'd be like his uh his First lieutenant, yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, so he picks him to go in the Elephander's debut uh, fight, essentially, for against the Blitz team. And, you know, it puts up a real good fight, and the Blitz team barely manages to get away from that and so on. So the Elephander retreats, and the Backdraft group retreats, and then it cuts to a scene with Stoller. He's like, huh, so, you know, there are some pretty good... Uh, Zoid pilots out there. I might have to come out of retirement. So later on, the the uh, Stoller wants to challenge them again, which results in the kidnapping of the Liger Zero, basically for the sake of making him fight the Elephander uh, in a one-on-one match. So this time, the the Liger actually gets a chance to fight the Elephander in each of its at, uh, CAS modes. This t- the second battle. Uh, bit uses the Schneider, which this one actually they call, quote-unquote, a draw, because the Elephander ends up busting one of the blades on the Zero Schneider, but the Zero Schneider still wounds the Elephander. So they're like, okay, you know, we'll have to try it again. And at this point, Stoller just kind of doesn't like the way that the backdraft group is going, so he basically quits and enlists as a legitimate Zoid pilot. Then you lead up to their third confrontation, with the Elephander, which Stoller's completely gone legit. He's a registered pilot. He has the ele- he basically stole the Elephander, I guess, to fight Bit in a one-on-one fight. And this is the episode that you actually see the uh, premiere of the Panzer. And I'll just kind of leave it at that. Let some you people check out the episode for yourself because it's actually quite an interesting and awesome fight there. Uh, another big antagonist is Dr. Leon. He's kind of, I don't know, he's a bad guy with the most backstory, really. He actually used to be, like, best friends with Dr. Toro's and Jamie's dad. Like, they used to be all the best of friends and so on and so forth. But Dr. Leon actually wanted, I can't remember if it was Jamie's father, to write slash give a love note to Dr. Toro's uh, future wife. Uh, it was a big old love letter and everything, and I guess something went wrong, and I think Jamie's dad thought it was from Dr. Toros instead of Dr. Leon, so she falls in love with Dr. Toros. Dr. Leon gets pissed and does the whole swearing eternal vengeance upon Dr. Toros. So he basically has his own whale king. He takes a couple shots at the Blitz team and stuff, and uh, Dr. Leon will have confrontations with Dr. Toros between his Whale King and Dr. Toros's uh, hover cargo, and it's kind of like, oh, my dick is bigger than your dick kind of thing, and they get into that a lot, and it's just, uh, it's kind of good, stupid kid fun at that point, where it's just like, come on, guys, let, let's get real here. But you kind of see that he's still a good man, really, in the end, because he... 
wants to protect Lena because she's the daughter of the girl that the woman that he was in love with so naturally he's gonna kind of keep an eye on her and stuff like when he first meets her he brings her flowers kind of creepy but it's it's fine whatever and then at one point he ends up saving her from like the backlash essentially from a charged particle cannon thus hospitalizing him and that pretty much takes him out of the series but overall he's kind of fun to throw in there once in a while and things like that but our biggest conflict for our heroes in this series vega obscura he's this kind of i want to say he's kind of a punk little kid like he's got a lot of arrogance to him he's very talented uh zoid pilot even though he's just a small kid he ends up piloting the berserk fury which is a quote-unquote ultimate x meaning it has an organoid system which allows the Zoid to remember previous battles, and it essentially learns from them. Like, the Zoid's alive, essentially, is the best way to do that. And the Liger Zero is in the same boat. It has the organoid system, and we learn about this towards the end of the series. So that's kind of a fun little little bit there. Yeah, let's see. That's pretty much for antagonists. All right, side characters. Let's go. Our first big side character that we're kind of introduced to, I guess we do meet Harry Champ first. He's a very interesting guy. Like, you kind of hate that you love him at times. Like, he's really nice and everything, but he's madly stupid crazy in love with Lena, and he goes into great lengths to go about it. Like, the first time they meet him, he challenges Bit to essentially a one-on-one kind of deal even though they still have teammates with them on both sides but Harry has it totally out for bit because he thinks he's going to steal Lena from him and he kind of has that whole uh, gimmick throughout the entire series like oh my god I love Lena nothing will stop me from from being with my love but yeah that's pretty much Harry Champ in a nutshell Um, another one that we're introduced pretty early on is Naomi Flugel she, uh, going back to what Andy said about the gun sniper earlier, how it's essentially a gun sniper. Naomi is one who actually utilizes the whole gun sniper portion of it. Like, she basically, when she's in the cockpit, she lays back, the whole chair flips around, essentially, and she's put into kind of a, it looks like a sniping position, basically, and it snipes out the tail end of the gun sniper, and you know, she has this whole gimmick when you first are introduced to her that like nobody's got within X amount of you know feet of the gun sniper just because she's such an impeccable shot. And it's a thousand yards. Thousand yards. There you go. That's yeah. quite a ways. <laughs> the Raptor or uh, her Zoid. Actually, the best way to compare it would be. The legs of the raptor are the bipod of a sniper rifle, and the tail is the barrel. And she's laying out inside the cockpit, like if she was holding a sniper rifle, she's laying down. And we'll see her take on... Bit will actually charge right at her against everyone's advice, as she has the high ground and is firing at him. Uh, her first shot, she takes at Bit, he just barely dodges using his boost feature in midair to fly over the bullet. But uh, 
he'll fight. He actually, at this point in time, bit his a attached a large barrel rifle on top of Liger, which Liger hates. He's super uncomfortable by it. He fires at her, completely missing because Liger just doesn't like this gun. But in firing, he actually does enough damage to the cliff edge that it weakens the ground underneath uh, Naomi's gun sniper. So when Bit's running at her and she fires and misses, the concussion from that shot breaks what's left of that cliff. And her so it actually slides down the cliff edge, and Bit's able to get right up on her and hit her with a uh, we call it lightning claw, strike and, laser claw. I'm sorry, strike laser claw and defeat her. Yeah, there's that. And then kind of another another one. He's the I don't know. I, I actually really like this guy. Jack Sisko. He's a mercenary for hire, and he runs a lightning Sykes. It's basically a really stupidly fast and well-maneuverable Zoid, essentially. It's like the Zero Jaeger in the sense that it has an acceleration feature, which will practically punch through the sound barrier and stuff. And ah, Bit's first encounter with Jack is when they actually first use the Jaeger system because... Yeah, he needs that extra speed. Jack's actually originally hired by Harry Champ to take out Bit and everything. So, yeah, his his Zoid's in the shape of a cheetah. It's yeah, entertaining. But we'll see Jack throughout the competition. He actually teams up with part of the Lightning Sykes's later on. Yeah, the Lightning team, which is composed of. Two sister pilots who are very, very skilled at uh, controlling their lightning sykes and stuff. So later on, they're actually faced a team of three whole lightning sykes and stuff, and it's quite overwhelming at the time. I think it's Kelly and Chris Tasker. Yeah, that sounds about right, right there. All right, I think we've covered. No, wait, one more. One more that I have forgotten about, because I didn't really know where to place him as a side character or a main character. He kind of starts as a main character, but becomes a side character later. And that's Leon... uh, Leon? Leon Toros. Yeah, Yeah, Leon. Leon. He's the second child of Dr. Toros and Lena's uh, brother. He's the original pilot of... Well, original team leader of the Blitz team before Bit comes up. And we'll talk about this more when we get to the story of the series. And he originally pilots a shield liger. It doesn't really do too much. It's nothing. It's another like close range Zoid, really. Its biggest feature, pretty much, is that it has a shield that it can put up and then just run right through enemy fire and other Zoids. <coughs> Excuse me. And I don't know. That's all essentially that we see of the shield liger. But later on, after he leaves the Blitz team, we find him later, and we get, which is my favorite Zoid, uh, a Blade Liger, which is essentially a more evolved form of the Shield Liger, which has more maneuverability. It kind of slimmed down a little bit. like It just kind of looks a little sleeker and less boxy like the Shield Liger did. And it still keeps its shield feature. And it also gets um, two blades on the side, which essentially, when activated, 
power up and they cut through pretty much next to anything. So he gives Bit and his Schneider system a lot uh, run for their money later on when he comes back. Yeah, we'll see a Zoid like this in Chaotic Century. So yeah, it's quite interesting. Um, you've forgotten two characters that are quite important. Not the robots from Harry's team. Those guys are worthless. Yes, Benjamin yeah. and Sebastian have to be mentioned because we see them constantly. <laughs> Fine, you can cover them. <laughs> All right, we got Harry Champ has, since nobody can actually put up with him, his two teammates are actually robots. Their names are Benjamin and Sebastian. Yeah, they're basically like, they're mentors of Harry. Like, they try to tell him not to do idiotic things, and then he proceeds to do them. Uh, yeah. Let's just say Harry is just an annoying individual, and we'll actually meet a sister who is even worse. Oh, uh, that woman is crazy. <laughs> Basically, they're rich kids that have no... Uh, Nothing better to do with their lives than to spend money. It's ridiculous. Yeah, pretty much. Harry just basically wants to be an accomplished Zoid pilot and stuff, and he uses his par- his family's money to get there. Like, I don't know, he's... I don't want to say he's an awful pilot. Like, he's okay. It's just he comes down to require uh, relying more on the hardware rather than, like, the actual skill and heart that goes into being a Zoid pilot. But you kind of see him develop a little more of that heart, like, as the series goes on. Any other characters that we are that I may have skipped over, intentionally or unintentionally? Um, uh, we can men- mention the Fuma team. Fuma, Fuma, Fuma. Uh, they like pilot the war sharks. Oh, uh, yeah, that episode was kind of filler-esque, so I kind of didn't really think too much about them. Like, we only see them the one time. Um, let's see. I'm trying to think. Oh, you can mention the Count. Do you remember the, the Count from the Backdraft organization? He's I like the boss. Oh, like the head honcho when it comes down to yeah. the end of it? Yep. I don't know. I, did, I always thought he was pretty forgettable. He's basically the head honcho with a backdraft, and he's like, oh, yeah, let's use Vega to, you know, take on the world of Zoid battles and blah, blah, rule the world. Well, then there's uh, Pierce. She's the chick who does the aerial combat with Jamie. You know, she's his... Oh, yeah. I guess she would be kind of worth mentioning here. Cause we, she... we do see her. Yeah, she does make... Times. Yeah, she does make several appearances. And she's actually kind of interesting because Bit meets her outside of the battle at one point And, you know, they get on this whole topic of what it means to be a Zoid warrior and to fight with honor and things like that. And kind of interesting because then they end up having kind of this one-on-one-ish fight between his Liger and some I can't remember which Zoid uh, it was uh, Storm Sorter yeah Storm Sorter which is a very very powerful and fast uh, air type Zoid and that's actually pretty interesting I suppose yeah she she's akin to uh, 
Stoller, they both have that honor to them. You know, they're still good people. Yeah, like they work for the slime that is the backdraft group, but you know, it's they're still they're I don't know. She pretty much goes with the backdraft because she thinks like they make the battles more fun, essentially. So I guess it's just kind of her wanting to test her abilities, and Stoller just enjoys a good fight. Yeah. Well, she actually leaves the backdraft organization because she actually gets bored with the backdraft. Yeah, and after she has that whole confrontation with Bit, she goes into the whole, yeah, I'm going to be on my own, and then up and leaves them. They're not too happy, but they get over it. They replace her pretty easily with an, with more antagonists for the Blitz team. All right, anybody else? Um, not that I can think of, think of right off the top of my head. Alrighty, story t- mode time then. Okay, the series starts off with the episode called Commenced Battle, Attack Liger Zero. You kind of start off seeing Bit, who he's, like we mentioned earlier, he's a junk dealer at the time. So he's got this uh, tricked out van. He's roaming around on a battlefield, and he, like a Zoid battle starts happening while he's out there trying to salvage parts from a previous Zoid battle. The battles between the Blitz team and the Tigers team, which they kind of look like a force to be reckoned with to start off with, just because they kind of lay waste to the Blitz team at the time. Like, they make them look like a joke. And at one point during the onslaught, Leon, who is with the Blitz team and leading the Blitz team at this point in time, actually trips over Bit's van, which has a cloaking device, and ends up causing a system freeze on the shield liger so the judge calls it and he's like all right you know we'll reschedule this and tiger's team's pissed but you know none of the zoids are really in the best of shape anyway so like it's going to be a big issue so they capture his bit and then (coughs) then yeah he just kind of hangs out in the cockpit and he's like admiring all their zoids and stuff and then he takes a look at the liger zero which is just kind of hanging out in the hangar and he's like wow you know i bet that would make an amazing zoid and up to this point no one's been able to pilot the liger zero because of well it's kind of free thinking nature which is provided by that organoid system essentially so it doesn't really want anybody else it just happens to take a liking to bit which it opens up the cockpit, which ends up cutting the ropes that are holding Bit, and then the Liger just kind of bolts out of the hangar that they're in at the time, and then the next morning everyone's kind of like, oh crap, Bit stole the Liger. Yeah. But then we come to the next day, Bit still hasn't come back, and Leon's pretty much in no shape after tripping over a van. Yeah, that's I thought that was kind of odd, but... He breaks his arm. Yeah, pretty much. But the thing that's kind of weird is we see them get, like, people get assaulted in worse ways than tripping over a truck and, you know, walking away unscathed. But besides the point, it's anime. It doesn't have to make sense. Uh, so they end up taking on the Zaberfangs the next day again, and it's just Lena and Brad. So D-Bison and Command Wolf against three uh, Zaberfangs. The two Zaber Vangs are in, like, perfect working order and everything, and then the one... Is the... Third... Is the one of the legs isn't operational, so they've mounted a large cannon on it, and it's sniping from long range. 
Yep. And then, you know, they start the fight, and they're, or they're about to start the fight, and then Bit just kind of randomly shows up with the Liger. And everyone's like, oh, what the heck's he doing here? He can't be here. He's not even a registered pilot. But the Liger Zero, like, this is where it kind of gets on a technicality for the Blitz team, which I guess ends up being good for them in the long run. Um, the, the judge basically makes the call that the Liger Zero is a registered Zoid of the Blitz team. Therefore, it's legal for him to be there. So Bit then registers as a pilot and so on, submits his information, yada yada. And then, boom, we have our first big Zoid fight with the Liger Zero. And then, yeah, pretty much they win the fight. Bit gets asked to stay on as the permanent pilot of the Liger Zero. And that's essentially the first episode, in a nutshell, right there. And Leon says he's going to leave. Yeah, he does that in the next episode, actually. Cause I thought it was the first episode. Nah, he's still there. The second hmm. episode is when he really gets there, because um, they didn't want to use... Because the second episode, they face Naomi and her gun sniper to start off with. And they don't find the Liger Zero's close-range combat to be very practical against a long-ranged opponent like that. So, yeah, Dr. Torres is like, all right, bet I'm benching you. And then he's about to launch... Um, Jamie to go so it's three on three for that fight and then basically Leon sabotages the whole thing so that Jamie can't launch the uh, his terrace so Bit and the Liger just kind of show up no one's really happy about it but he ends up doing fine they beat the Flugel team and yada 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 as we meant as we mentioned before it's Bit has spent the night putting this large cannon on the back of Liger, and Liger, of course, jettons it, uh, uses it, uh, knocks it off, and then goes and takes out the sniper when it falls down the cliff. Mm-hmm. And then about the end of the episode, everyone's like, yay, we won! And then Leon drops the ball. He's like, you know, I'm going to be like Bit Cloud. I'm going to go on my own little journey here and... Uh I'm going to go find my own way, essentially. So, Leon leaves. We don't see him for actually a quite a good while, really. Not for probably about half the series, I'm pretty sure. And then, next episode, we are introduced to Harry Champ. When he comes in, we, like we already mentioned, he's in love with Lena. He thinks Bit's a, uh, a threat, essentially. Like, Lena plays Harry like a cold womanizer, or... Not a womanizer, a manizer. Is that how that would go now, from a woman's uh, perspective? No, she just kind of goes batshit like, and yeah. thinks that those two are fighting over her affections. Yeah. Like, oh, I have two men fighting for me, and Bit's like, okay. <laughs> it's like whatever. I'm just trying to win this fight. Yeah. So basically, Harry um, has money to spare mm-hmm. and he challenges them and they're in like a city that's kind of like a maze basically an old city and they start fight they go after each other and all of- each person squares off with the other and Harry's chasing after bit trying to destroy him and Liger doesn't have anything for weapons other than his uh, strike laser claw and does he? He has a can. Does he have the under the 
belly-mounted cannon yet? Yeah, he I, does. Yeah, I think so. Because he shoots a hole. He shoots holes. Yep. He actually begins running around, and he always turns to the left. He'll use it, he'll use his cannon to shoot a hole through, so he can keep on going. Uh, Bit uses uh, Harry's piloting a thing called the Red Horn. Um, we'll dark see a lot actually in this one. Is it a dark horn? Oh yeah, yeah it's that's a dark right. Horn. It's black the red, and the yeah. red horn are the common ones that we'll see a bunch of in his ship. Yeah, the dark horns like a souped-up version of yeah, the red is, horn. This is Harry Champ, dude. He, he's too classy and has too much money to be running with run-of-the-mill Zoids. <laughs> Even though he has a crap ton on his ship. Yeah, yeah Basically, he's added boosters to this and a, a large cannon on the side. And the boosters are to accelerate, uh, help it with turning and everything, which the uh, Red Horns aren't known for. So this Dark Horn's a souped-up version. And he follows Bit and keeps using his thrusters to match uh, Liger's speed. And after an amount of time, uh, one of his joints gives out from the, the strain of the weight for each of the turns. And Liger turns around and beats Harry. Or, I take that back. He's just about to finish him off when Lena pops around the corner and uses her full-out assault to take him out. Take him out and oh, that's right. Hits, uh, yep, hits Liger at the same time. They're both standing right there, and mm-hmm. she goes all-out assault. Yeah, thus conf- also throwing more, confirming there that Lena's very, very trigger-happy. Yeah. And that ends that little battle. Mm-hmm. The next one, though, we actually get our first unsanctioned battle, and we're introduced to the Backdraft Group. Yay. Yes. So, let me check here a little bit here. Yeah. Yada, yada, yada. Lena gets pissed. She gets abducted by the Backdraft Group. So, yeah, she's kidnapped, and, you know, the Blitz team has to fight him to, you know, get her back. So they trick him into this unsanctioned battle. <clears throat> and then, uh, when Lena got kind of cheesed off earlier, she ran off with Jamie's terrace. So when it comes to the battle, actually, um, Jamie ends up piloting Lena's D-Bison. And at this time, Brad, this like we mentioned earlier, he's in it for the money, really. And there was no money for this unsanctioned battle, so he pretty much blew everyone off, essentially. And, yeah, so it's pretty much just Liger Zero and uh, the D-Bison, right? They're set to take on this army of stealth Hellcats, which are basically very, very bland and basic cat-like zoids. Like, they're not worth two cents, really, but they're good for the masses. And then... Eventually, Lena breaks out because she's just batshit crazy like that and everything. So she gets away on her own, basically. And then eventually in the fight, they're getting a little overwhelmed. If I remember right, the um, D-Bison actually gets blown to hell and whatnot. So, yeah, that was kind of a bummer there. And then Brad shows back up. We find out, and he helps out, and then at the end of the episode, we find out that um, Dr. Toro's actually offered Brad a bit's paycheck from the next Zoid battle uh, to, basically, so he would go help them out. So, yeah, Bit's kind of sad there. That's pretty much that one. 
Yeah, and then the next in the next one we'll see the high speed battle, and this is where we're gonna see uh, the Liger's first transformation to Jaeger. Oh yes, high speed battle transforming into zero Jaeger. This is like we mentioned earlier, Harry hates bit, so he hires the mercenary Jack Sisko and his lightning sykes to take him down. So it kind of starts off, you know, like any other fight. They go out there and so on and so forth. And then, yeah, they quickly figure out, it's like, okay, we can't compete with this set of speed. So they're like, okay, let's try out one of the new CAS systems. So Bit comes back out with Jaeger, and I think Jack probably could have actually beat him in actuality, but I think he was just caught off guard ridiculously by the fact there was another Zoid out there that could keep up with him. And Jack actually mentions later that the Liger Zero Jaeger has better maneuverability than his Lightning Sykes does. Yeah, and he knocks a bit for being an inexperienced pilot. Oh, that becomes kind of a common thing, really, just because, yeah, Jack is actually a very, very good, very talented pilot, and, you know, Bit's kind of, he's that protagonist guy, you know, he's a little arrogant at times, but he's still fairly talented, so, of course, people are going to put his skills down and so on and so forth. Yeah. And then in the next episode, we'll see uh, the Dark Giant, the Invincible Elephander. Yay, we get the premiere of the Elephander, which we mentioned a lot earlier on. So Stoller's subordinate challenges him, and uh, Bid ends up using the Jaeger. Barely comes out on top there. It's a Sanders is the subordinate's Sanders. name. Sanders, yeah, that's it. Yeah, and actually we'll find out that um, the only reason that Bit was able to defeat the Elephander was because... At the time, they were trying a new operation system, which was a voice uh, operation instead of manual operation, which is a little bit slower. And we're led to believe that if it had been manual, the Elephander would have won. Yeah, because before uh, Stoller sends him in, he's like, all right, you know, use the voice recognition system. And, you know, we can't, you know make this completely one-sided. we got to give him a chance. So pretty much they only won because Stoller decided to give him a handicap. <laughs> then there's that. Let's see. Next one, the Desert oh. Gang. The hover car goes in danger. That one... This this is the one where we meet the Fuma team. Is that one the Fuma team? No, yeah. we get the Fuma team later with the War Sharks. This one I is... The... No, this is where they got all the, the sand rays or whatever, like the little stingrays that are running around. Oh, that's right. Yeah, in the previous episode, Lena's D-Bison gets blown to high hell. So they're like, okay, we'll trade it in, and then she gets her gun sniper. So they have this giant bit out in the middle of the desert, essentially, because Bit and Brad were in town, and they were going to, I don't know, they were just getting Lena's new gun sniper and so on. So they see kind of this whole, I don't know, the gang is running around town raising hell, and they try to stop them with an anti-Zoid rifle, which is actually kind of sweet. It's like a little rifle, and it one-shots one of the things, and so on and so forth. So they want revenge, because it's like, oh, they made us look like a total joke! And they were just pissed. So, naturally, they sent, like, their whole freaking gang, which is, like, dozens and dozens of these, like, Stingray Zoids. 
and it's kind of hard for him to keep up with them because, I don't know, they, they just like a swarm, really. And then Lena brings in her gun sniper and completely annihilates them all in about one or two big barrages, essentially. So that, that's our introduction to Lena's gun sniper, basically, is the only real thing that comes out of that episode. That's the last time it actually is super effective. Mm-hmm. We'll see that throughout the series, Lena's not that great of a warrior. Like, she just doesn't hold her own. No. Uh, yeah, really the only one that actually ever shows any ability prowess other than Bit is Brad. And yeah. Jamie when he becomes the Wild Eagle, but that only happens like a very few times, but... Yeah, Brad actually gets pretty decent, and Lena especially, gets... Lucky. Especially once he gets the Shadow Fox. Oh, yeah, he really starts kicking some tail when the light, when he comes around with the uh, Shadow Fox. Yep. And next, we get the return of Jack Sisko, after he's uh, joined up with the two sisters, and they form the Lightning Team, which is basically composed of the three Lightning Sykes. And Bit kind of thinks, okay, you know, hey... <clears throat> You know, we can take him. You know, I beat Jack once before. I'll do it again. Uh, this is actually the first time you see them lose in the series and whatnot. And, I don't know, they kind of lose fairly gracefully. Because it's like, okay, you know, whatever, we got beat. Because at this point, they're kind of feeling all high and mighty. And so on and so forth. Oh, wait a minute. That's my mistake. I skipped a couple episodes. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say, this. this is the... Invasion of the Fierce Tigers transformed to Zero Schneider. This is the one where the Tiger team comes back because they've been in... Ever since they lost to the Blitz team, they've been doing a downward spiral. Like, at one point, they were actually a decent-rated team, and now they're, like, the bottom of the bottom. We see the three members sitting around a campfire eating beans... And they're just, the press is all hell. And we'll see, um, what's the doctor's name? Dr. Leon. Dr. Leon will uh, introduce himself and sit down, and he talks to him while eating a cup of noodles. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's the whole mad genius thing. And he actually gives them the, um, like this, the vortex powers. It's actually his uh, whale king... Uh, he put implants on each of the uh, Zoids like a marker, and his Whale King, in conjunction with those markers, allows for the formation of the vortexes that won't let it, you know nobody can touch the Zoids through these. And Bit will have to use his new transformation, the Schneider, to break through these vortexes and take out um, the Tigers team. Yeah, and that's our first big introduction to the Zero Schneider system. It's pretty, oh, it works fine. It's not too ridiculously special. But the next episode, we get to meet Harry's sister, Mary. She's, I don't know, she's kind of pissy or whatever. She comes to meet to find Harry and stuff, and she's like, oh, you know, you should come home and everything, because at this point, I believe he got in an unsanctioned battle with a backdraft group, and he lost a lot of his, if not all of his Zoids. So all his, of his Zoids. All of them. Which, 
with the size of his whale king and all the money he has, it's probably a crap ton. Because like they show him at least losing his dark horn and stuff like that. <laughs> his his entire his whale king his entire thing was full of zoids. Mm-hmm. We're talking like a hundred zoids, and he loses all of them. And his sister shows up with it's a hover cargo basically, except it's being pulled by a whole bunch of D bison. And she brings and Harry made a promise that by a certain a certain time he would be a accomplished Zoid pilot and he hasn't accomplished that, so he has to come home. And he he complains because he doesn't want to go back and he begs for help. And his sister is like, no, 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 no. And he tells her that he's in love with... Uh, um, Lena. Sorry. Lena. And she's like, oh, that harlot? Like, basically. When um, she sees the Liger, though, she's like, oh, my God, it's so pretty. And then she challenges... Uh, the Blitz team, because she wants the Liger, she actually first starts off by offering money for the Liger, and Bit's like, uh, no, you're not gonna buy my partner. And she's like, well, then I challenge you. And she ends up, they go into a battle, and they're piloting, um, Iron Kong, which are these super ridiculously expensive Zoids that are super strong. They're, uh, really strong at melee combat and they're they essentially can... what you would expect from like a giant metal gorilla. Yeah. And they're custom, really customizable. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, like they cover a whole bunch of different things with them. Like the one Mary pilots essentially just has like this I don't know, it's kind of like a lift where it just keeps loading on like ground missiles and everything and yeah, she, she just has... clicks right through them. She has, like, a train behind her Kong. It's, like, a supply train. And it just... It's full of missiles. And she just keeps firing them off repeatedly. One of the robots is uh, resupplying her with missiles, too. I can't think of which one it is doing it at that time. Yeah, one of them. Not important. (laughs) And Harry and the other robot are actually fighting as well. And basically, in the end, she loses... Uh, and Harry's able to stay, and he gets the Iron Kongs for his Zoids. Yeah, Mary basically decides, like, oh, you know, Zoid battles are actually a lot more fun and kind of more legit than I anticipated. But when they lose, it's actually kind of funny, because, like, Lena basically blows the crap out of the uh, big old... I don't know, it's like almost like a carrier, essentially, like a thing full of ammunition and explosives. And then they just blow that up, and it essentially blows everything else up. So, yeah, yeah, there's that. And then Mary leaves, and so on and so forth. He gets new, uh, Harry gets new Zoids, and so on and so forth. Yeah, and that's that episode in, uh... Fun little thing. The next episode is uh, Desert Tusk and the Assault of the War Sharks. This is the Fuma team, right? I do believe so. Okay, these these guys are piloting what appear to be like piranhas, 
that hide underneath the sand. And they basically just, like, rip shit apart. Again, they're part of the backdraft group. And, uh... I'm trying to remember that episode. Basically, they can't target them because they're underground. And they're only out of ground for a short amount of time. And for, uh... The Liger, it's just impossible to hit these things. I remember Brad actually fighting them, and he actually gets grabbed from underneath, and one of them bites onto his leg of his uh, uh, command wolf and pulls it down. But I don't remember much else of that episode. I don't know. I thought it was very forgetful, really. It's just kind of another filler thing to throw him in with another conflict with the backdraft group, essentially. Yeah. I, I can't remember if the, he uses Jaeger or Schneider. I kind of want to say he uses Schneider. Um, I just remember him hitting them as they... It's Lena, Jaeger. It's Jaeger. Yeah, Jaeger. Lena... Or is it, or is it Brad? Sh- I think it might be Brad. Shoots shells down in front of the Zoid so they'll pop out, of, out, out from underground. And then... Bit will just fly in and just hit him out of the air and disable him. Hmm. But yeah, that episode is just so forgettable. It's just not a memorable episode. Nah. And so, then we get to the whole rematch with Jack, which I started on earlier. So Yeah, the yeah. sensational three. Yeah. We already pretty much covered that. I suppose you can just rewind to previously. So we covered pretty much that entire episode. Jack comes back, joins the Lightning team. They kick the Blitz team's butt. They learn from defeat. Next episode, where we get introduced to the Reynos and we learn about Jamie's pa- dad's past and how he had the accident, and we get to see Jamie become the Wild Eagle. And you skipped one. Did I again? Zero is stolen. The ah. fiery battle, episode twelve. Right, that's the second confrontation with the. Uh, Elephander. The Elephander, where we get the fight. Well, yeah. they, Like I said earlier, they kidnap the Liger Zero and then force it to fight, and then they let Bit come after him and stuff so that he can pilot it. So this time Stoller can get his rematch with the Liger, and Liger is still in its base Zero armor, and it just gets thrown around like, like a friggin' ragdoll, essentially, here. And, yeah, it doesn't really do much, but eventually the hover cargo shows up, and you know, it manages to escape, switches into the Schneider set, and then comes back. They end in the stalemate, and that one's that. Yeah. And then we get to the the brave wild eagle, the Reynos versus the Zabbit. Yeah. All the Zabbits are pretty much those little teeny the mess. Bad, the bad zoids. Yeah. And Jamie, once he finally passes out and becomes the wild eagle... He just runs right through them all, takes them all out, and yada, yada, yada. <laughs> yeah, basically, what happens is he gets hit in the Reynos, and it does a nosedive, and it's really close to the ground, and all of a sudden, he just, his uh, alter ego picks up, and he just takes off, and just barely misses the ground, and just hits the afterburners, and bam, and then hits... uh supersonic speed and just nails the Zabbits out of the sky. But that's pretty much that episode. 
uh, Jamie doesn't remember what happens afterwards. And uh, then the next episode's uh, Fright Day the 13th. Yeah, this one's another just basic filler episode here. Lena gets like a email call thing. Then the guy's like, all right, who is the best Zoid warrior? And Lena responds like, it's me, of course. So he's like, well, I'm going to come and hack your Zoid to pieces in like seven days or something like that. And then he shows up. They take him out. Next one. (laughs) Yeah, basically that episode is just blah. It's just trick, you know, trickery and stuff. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, the next episode we'll see uh, uh, Leon Returns, Anti-Gravity Catastrophe. Yeah, this one's actually really, really interesting, kind of. This, Dr. Leon comes in with this whole anti-gravity bit, like the name states, really, and it just kind of throws everyone for a lift, really. Like, I don't know, the way you kind of see it introduced... Lena is coming back from grocery shopping, essentially, or just some sort of shopping, and it's just kind of a little ridiculous here, because it shows her in her gun sniper, and the gun sniper has a basket, and the gun sniper's just frolicking and, like, skipping along. Yeah. Yeah, it's just kind of ridiculous. With this huge arsenal of weapons swinging back and forth behind her. Yeah, details. (sighs) (laughs) But, yeah, then Leon uses the whole anti-gravity bit, and then he ends up abducting Lena, and so on. So, let's see here. Yeah, Leon challenges the Blitz team again, and then they kind of have their whole, you know, my penis is bigger than your bit, because Leon insults the hover cargo, and yada, yada, yada. Tauros gets pissed and agrees to the unsanctioned battle. So, yeah. Then you pretty much throw out Jamie, Brad, Bit, and yeah, there isn't really too much else to that, really. I think it just gives more backstory on Leon, and you learn about why he hates Toros, and so on and so forth there. Yep. And then it goes on our next episode, episode 16. The Red Rival, Leon Taurus Returns. And I love this one. Leon basically comes back, joins Naomi for the Flugel team, and basically stays on as a permanent bit there. And then he reveals his Red Blade Liger to everybody, and then Bit and him have this clash, and like, like essentially a clash of Red Ligers, because you know, the Red Blade Liger is red. And then the Zero Schneider is basically reddish-orange. and wanna, So it's kind of a battle of red and blades, really. And then Lena excuse me, likes to go after Naomi because she still has the whole, my gun sniper's better than your gun sniper, and so on and so forth. And yeah, yeah, I don't remember how that battle turned out. Did the Blitz team pull that one off? I think they did. Like I haven't watched the episodes for a while, but if I remember right, I think it become it comes down to a battle of swords. Because mm-hmm. I think uh, uh, Liger transforms to Schneider, yeah, and then goes head to head, and I think I think it just they just pull it off. Hmm. 
I don't, I don't remember that battle. Let me check the system here. It says Polta. I'm assuming that is a uh, more backdraft group here, and it says uh, they arrive and storm the field with a squad of over 30 Rev Raptors. So. Oh, so they have to turn around and start fighting. Yeah, and then says the battle's canceled because of the judge's incapacitation, which is quite common, of course. It's the backdraft group, so... Yeah. Yeah. And then they leave without concluding their fight, so... We will get back... We'll, we'll see them again. We'll yeah, see them again. we'll see them again. Uh, the next one is a filler episode. It's Warriors on Vacation, the Storm uh, Sorters. And this is one where... Uh, Tauros thinks, Dr. Tauros thinks that everybody needs a break and needs to relax, so he takes the hover cargo and they go to the beach to just kick back and relax. Mm-hmm. And we'll see the backdraft group attack from multiple sides. It's like a whole invasion force against them. Yeah. Polta actually is the woman that we talked about earlier when it comes to this episode. She's the one who talks to Bit and is like, all right, what does it mean to be a pilot and so on and so forth? And then yada, et cetera, with the storm sorters. Yeah. And we'll see uh, Jamie take an integral part of this battle. Of course, it's an air fight, so he gets to be awesome in this one. And then... The next one, I, I I think we're gonna skip over because neither one of us care for this one. Yeah. This is love on the battlefield. My love, the judge. This is where we're introduced to the pink judge, and one of Harry's robots falls in love with it. Blah did blah did blah, and we're moving on now. Yeah, it didn't work two craps. But the next one, we Bet. get one of the best bits. Episode nineteen, the third conversion, zero Panzer debut. Oh, man. Stoller's back, and he wants to face Bit in a one-on-one match. And Bit actually starts off with the Schneider, thinking, okay, I don't want... Like, we get kind of hints at the Panzer and stuff. It's like, okay, we should use this. And Leon is actually there just kind of hanging out, you know, saying hi to everybody. And he's like, well, what about the third unit? And they're like, oh, that's the Panzer unit. It's, like, really ridiculously powerful for such and such reasons, but we can't use it because it puts way too much strain on the Liger, and if that strain exceeds, like, a certain limitation, it could potentially, like, take the Zoid out indefinitely. So, yeah, Bit initially goes on with the Zero Schneider to start off with, and he gets tossed around like a ragdoll because Stoller's made some improvements and so on and so forth. But eventually he kind of comes back and is like, all right, let, well, actually, the Liger decides, hey, I want to try the Panzer thing because I do not want to lose to this guy. So Liger starts activating the Panzer before he's even back in the the uh, hover cargo. And everyone's like, what the hell? But he ends up loading up with the Panzer, and we get to see the first shot of the hybrid cannon. Which Stoller is like, okay, you know, I'll just throw up my shield. Not a problem. And then the hybrid cannon actually blows right through his shield. Like, Stoller is not prepared for this at all. But, like any great fight, there's got to be kind of a problem. The backdraft group likes to intervene because they're a little sore about Stoller stealing their Elephander and running off to become a legit pilot. Yeah, in this one they're out to take out 
they're there to take out both of them. Mm-hmm. Oh, and for another note, we'll actually see uh, the Liger launch differently in this episode. Instead of the launch system, uh, the uh, the Jaeger system is so heavy that... The Panzer system. Uh, sorry. The Panzer system is so heavy that it actually has to launch from the side. It actually, we'll see it slide out from the side of the hover cargo and get dropped off. Yeah, because that thing's so heavy and so much strain on it. Basically, wherever it drops is where it stays. But the whole backdraft bit, they release a lot more of those bats, the zabbits. Yeah, zap. yeah. And then, at this point, uh, Bits already fired his hybrid cannon. The Liger's essentially collapsed, and like everything, like all the monitors and stuff in the cockpit, blacks out. And he's like, well, crap. So, then... All of a sudden, out of nowhere, like these multiple monitors start showing up, and then we get the whole offensive attack with it, with the big bang barrage, if I remember right. It was I've mentioned this once already. With that, that one would be the correct name that I mentioned earlier. But this was just awesome because they're getting hammered by these Zavits, and he just launches all these missiles and. Bye bye every single one of them. It's screw you. Uh, I'm a freaking panzer. <clears throat> and then, I don't know, the battle really doesn't have much of a conclusion. Like, they show that Bit and Stoller have, like, a ridiculous amount of respect for each other as Zoid warriors, and Stoller kind of stands there in the sunset, and so on and so forth with that one. Yeah, and then we get. Actually, this is kind of a nice. We go from seeing the panzer and how epic that is. And then the next episode, it's the Shadow Fox, Brad's portrayal. This is where we get to finally see the Shadow Fox, so it's kind of a nice uh, back-to-back of great episodes. Mm-hmm. In this one, I, they the backdraft essentially recruits Brad, you know, hopes of money, power, yada, 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 because we know Brad's like that. But, <clears throat> yeah, they're like, well... No, how would you like to pilot the Shadow Fox against the Blitz team? And he's like, well, how much does it pay, essentially? So, yeah, they give him an offer. Of course, he won't be able to refuse. So he goes and pilots it against Bit and his Zero Jaeger and actually really kind of beats him around a little bit. I think Bit's just kind of, it's like, well, this is kind of my al- my former ally here. And I'd really rather not fight him kind of thing. So Brad pretty much trounces him around. And then Brad pulls a 180, turns on the backdraft, and steals the Shadow Fox, essentially. And then it becomes a registered Zoid for the Blitz team. Yeah, basically, backdraft, they're all looking on. They're like, ha-ha, finally we've done it. And once their pants are down, yeah, Brad turns around and is like, Bye! Mm-hmm. And just takes off. So yeah, it's a interesting episode, but basically the su- summation of it is they get the Shadow Fox. Yep. Um, the next episode, uh, it's Harry's disaster. Doctor Land traps Tauros. Yeah, it's another filler essentially. Te- the Fuma team and their war shocks co- sharks come back and so on. They, yeah, they do fine. They get Tauros back and so on and so forth. Yeah, there's a lot of, like, uh, carrier battles here and stuff. It's just, 
again, it's another filler episode. It's kind of not that memorable. But the next two episodes are uh, integral to the st- the end of the story. Um, the first one's The Dragon Under the Sea in Search of the Ultimate X, and the second one's The Dragon Awakens, the Bers- Bers- uh, Berserk Fury Enters the Fray. Oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. We get introduced to one of the more badass Zoids that we will see. Because, like mentioned earlier, the <clears throat> Berserk Fury, well, at least here it's talked about as, like, an ancient Zoid, essentially. Like, they're underwater, find, like, digging for this continuously. And they end up finding it underground. They bring it out, and they get Vega to pilot it. And Vega's just this kid. No one really knows anything about him at the point. But the way we're introduced to Vega in this for these episodes, actually, he gets Bit and Jack actually meet up at essentially an arcade where you play kind of this VR um, Zoid battle game. Essentially, like they just pilot command wolves and stuff like that, and then they you know take each other on. And midway through the fight. Vega's like, oh, heck, I'll take him on. He hops in, wastes both Bit and uh, Jack, and everyone's like, wow, that kid's either really good or really lucky. So, you know, they think nothing of it, really, and then they end up... This is actually supposed to be a rematch between the Lightning team and the Blitz team. And then the backdraft shows up, drops the Berserk Fury in with Vega as the pilot. Now, at this point... The Berserk Fury is pretty much clean cut. Like, there is no special armor, so you pretty much see all the, I don't know, nuts and bolts of the structure of the Zoid. The Berserk Fury really, uh, to be described, it looks kind of like a T-Rex. It's a ske- like a skeleton of a T-Rex, basically, it, with without any of its armor and everything. It's stripped away. Yeah. It's, it's kind of a mix between a T-Rex and a Raptor, because it's more streamlined than a T-Rex and it has kind of a raptor head instead of the like the big T-Rex head kind of like what a Golgolus would have yeah and this thing is just ridicu- ridiculously mobile um, oh, yeah. instead of like the me- mechanical movements that we see from other Zoids this one's very streamlined its movements are like lifelike because it, it it's curved you know it if you ever see Chaotic Century, the little, uh, what's the name of the little T-Rex? I can't think of what it is. The little T-Rex? Yeah, the organoid or whatever that's running around. Oh, which one, Zeke or Shadow? Zeke. Okay, yeah. It has it, it has lifelike movements like Zeke does in uh, Chaotic Century, and this thing is just badass. Yeah, this thing's really fast and everything, and it trounces both the Lightning Team and the Blitz Team, without any armor or weapons, essentially. And, like most, essentially, quote-unquote, evil protagonists, uh, Zoids, in a Zoids series, it has a charged particle cannon. Like we mentioned earlier, it's a very powerful form of destruction. And, you know, he goes to charge up and just completely wipe everybody out. But, essentially, without armor on the Berserk Fury, it would destroy itself. So, well, for the most part. And so, eventually, we get, you know, armor for it. And it gets, like, these really weird claws, essentially, that produce an incredibly powerful shield. 
which later on you find out can resist uh, up to three charged particle cannons aimed straight at it. So that thing's quite powerful, and it's very, very mobile. And kind of an interesting thing about how it moves primarily, like in a forward sense, it kind of hovers, essentially, which is kind of different as opposed to like most other Zoids that you know have full-blown ranges of motion when moving and stuff. But that's essentially the series up to the finale, final point, and we'll kind of leave that one up for grabs, really, to watch on your own, if you like, because it's this little mini-arc. It's like three episodes long. Uh, everyone takes part in this grand tournament called the Royal Cup, and it's a big deal because it takes like all the A-class warriors, puts them in a big almost like a battle royale, essentially, with judges and stuff and everything. And you compete to the to this finish line. I think you defeat five opponents in it, and each time you defeat an opponent, you get a clue to where the quote-unquote finish line is for the tournament, and whoever gets to the finish line first uh, gets bumped up to Class S. So, you know, cream of the crop, you are the shit, and everything. So, you know, we got... This thing's got everybody. It's got... Oh, hell, it's got the Blitz team, it's got Jack and his Lightning team, Harry and his team, uh, Naomi and Leon, and then, of course, you know, you got the backdraft group in there with Vega and so on and so forth, and, yeah, it's it's quite the tournament, really. It's very intense, very powerful, and it's quite quick, actually, but in, like, a good way. Like, you don't feel like you're getting really gypped or anything, but you get some really, really good Zoid fight scenes. Like, some of the best ones come out of, like, the very end here. Yeah. Um, before we continue, um, we left out... The Zoid Commission actually has their own uh, Zoids on the ground, and they're these gigantic T-Rexes. They're, like, mobile battle ships, basically. Pretty much. And they have a... Uh, Hyper cannon, you know, hyper beam can, and we'll actually see one get destroyed here coming up. So I wanted to mention it before we got there. Uh, yeah, and so we go on to our next episode, episode 25, Survival: The Mystery of the Ultimate X. Yeah, this to not really give away anything out of the tournament. This one, basically, they discuss more about the organoid system and the ultimate x the organoid system is basically this black box within a zoid that gives it essentially not entirely its own well it does give it essentially its own free will but like within reason like it's not gonna totally go a wall on you but it learns from past experiences so it's kind of the whole you know the same move won't work on me twice kind of bit and it's basically an AI. It's artificial, yeah. artificial intelligence. It They can react quicker than normal Zoids can because they actually think for themselves. So they're a lot more responsive than a normal Zoid. So it kind of gives them an edge. And there's we'll find out that there's a couple Zoids that exist that actually have the black box feature. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then... The next episode is The Miracle of the Zero, The Wind, The Cloud, and The Adventure. 
we're not really going to go into these episodes because they're a major spoiler for the series. But basically, we're going to see the wrap-up of this series. And it leaves it open for like the continuation of um, the tournament and everything. You know, It's not the end of the show, basically. It just leaves it wide open for more. But we're going to see um, the Berserk Fury fully armored with the double, like two double barrels on it that can act as swords or as hyperbeam cannons. And they're just, it's actually going to destroy one of the T Rexes of the commission. And it, it's insane. It's the, it's bit interceding at the last second that saves one of these T Rexes from being completely wiped out. And these things are just packed full of, commission members so he saves a ton of lives by just uh i think it's deflecting he like hits the berserk fury just at the right point to stop it but basically we'll see the berserk fury actually go into a berserk fury like it it basically takes over vega and well, vega actually gets knocked unconscious but oh, it, we're starting to get into Given things away, really, to how that finale is going here. Yeah, we should. Uh, we'll we'll leave it off here and just say that the last couple episodes are just amazing, and you'll see the true power of the Berserk Fury and the Liger Zero. Yeah, it's it's a very well off fight and everything. Yeah. Alrighty, so we've been at this for a while here. Yeah, I don't know how long we've been doing this, but I think it's been over an hour now. Yeah, probably about time to wrap things up then. Anything else that we need to cover? Um, if you enjoy this series, uh, there's a couple other series. One of them, Chaotic Century. Um, really, your choice of order is up to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, New Century was shown on Cartoon Network. Um, Chaotic Century was shown on Cartoon Network for a short time before... Uh, Tsunami was taken off air, but other than that, um... There's also Fusers. That's a- That one's actually dubbed. I don't ever remember seeing it put out. I like, don't think I, I... Yeah, I don't think it ever was, because Chaotic Century barely made it on. Um, Zoids does have a game out, if you would like to play it. Yeah, they got a couple games. It's just, like, one of them actually managed to make it to the U.S., and it's actually, uh, if you're thinking the same one I am, are you thinking Battle Legends? Yep. Ah, uh, Battle Legends. That one's great. Like, if you ever get a Zoid game, it's Zoid's Battle Legends. It's ex- exclusively on the GameCube, so you have to trek back about a generation of systems, really. It's got a wide variety of customization and number of Zoids, and it's a very good 3D kind of fighting and everything, so it's very, very well there was the Zoids, I want to say it's Battle Assault or something like that, that came out for the Xbox 360 in the last couple of years. That game is, I don't know, it's an RTS. It's not really yeah. what you go for when you look for a Zoids game, essentially. But those are pretty much the only two that are really big in America. And yeah, I think those are the only two. Well, Zoids Battle Legends was the only one that really seemed to take off and do actually well. Yeah, 
I was fortunate enough to pick myself up a copy back in high school. So, yeah, didn't man. you run into a glitch on that game? Yeah, I don't know what it is. Like, I needed to go through a door at one point, and the door was actually shut in one of the story modes. So, yeah, I never really got to finish the story modes. But the tournament style things, where it was always, I think, two on two or one on two on one. I don't know. I kill that. <laughs> so note no to those who go and get the game, save often, save multiple copies, because you might run into those problems if you are uh, uh, like to complete everything. Yeah, to all those achievement whores out there that just love to clean up games afterwards. I, however, am not one of those people. Right, whatever you got to tell yourself. Eh, makes it too much work and... I don't know. I would reference a few DPZ games, but I'm I'm a nice person. None of those are completely finished. You or even close. lazy bastard. My bad. But anything else to add? <laughs> uh, you're a monkey and you know it. So clap uh, your hands. All right. Well. <clears throat> On that note, this has been another installment of Let's Discuss. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.